Welcome to episode 289 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview the 2023 NRL Grand Final between the Penrith Panthers and Brisbane Broncos and much, much more. Join us as we build a Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 289 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, the NRL Grand Final in 2023 is upon us. Penrith Panthers versus Brisbane Broncos. Team 1 versus Team 2. Could it get any better than this? (laughs) Yeah, well, could it not? Well, look, I've got to say, yeah, teams one, teams two, they were fighting for the minor premiership. And uh, look, what has this proven? It has proven that there was no need for the finals at all. Um, <laughs> you just needed to just have number one versus number two, and we would all know who the premierships were because none of the other games really mattered in the end. But look, I've got to say, um, some pretty exciting uh, rugby league over the weekend. Um, some some fantastic tries, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but no nail biters. So that's going to be very interesting how both these teams line up in a match where I think it's going to be very close. So look, looking forward to it. But also, there's I think it's going to be a great NRLW fixture. Um, the state cup final is also going to be fantastic. I uh, just can't wait for grand final day. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely, and and you're right. There was no, there were no um, nail biters, or the only the only real person biting their nails on the weekend was Jared Sutton to find <laughs> out if he's got a job next week, <laughs> which apparently he doesn't. So anyway, um, all right. Well, let's let's get into it because I mean these two semifinals, the grand final qualifiers, preliminary finals. They've they've got they're they're shape shifting in their in their names, whatever they are. They they were the games that decided the grand finalists for this year, mm. and they were pretty good. The you know no, they were floggings both of them, but they <laughs> they they were not short of controversy and excitement. So <clears throat> tackle number one, let us review those two games. Here we go. All right. Penrith Panthers, 38-4 to against the Melbourne Storm at a course stadium in front of 35,500. That was the Friday night game. And then Saturday night was the Brisbane Broncos at home, Suncorp Stadium, in front of a packed 52 and a, and a bit thousand fans there at Suncorp Stadium. 42-12 to over the New Zealand Warriors. So, as we said, teams one and two clearly a step above the rest. Um, and... Uh, you know, look, let's go through each one. So Penrith Panthers, Melbourne Storm, um, six tries to one, <clears throat> a hat-trick to Brian Toor, um, and uh, obviously uh, other tries to Sunya Taruva, Nathan Cleary, and Dylan Edwards, and the lone try 
to uh, Justin Olin for Melbourne Storm and no conversion. It was 18-4 at halftime. So, you know, the Storm was still in it, but you ended up being 20-0 at in the second half. If you if we look at the stats, which is uh, you know what we tend to do, it was uh, it was really all about you know the the look Penrith were clinical. I think it's fair to say that they never really looked like they were going to lose. Um, you know they uh, you know they, they got they scored within three minutes um, and uh, and just never looked back really. Um, if we look at the stats that uh, I'm just scrolling down here, well. <clears throat> Dummy passes forty to four in favor of the storm. <laughs> I I think that that blows out theory out the window in terms of the dummy passes. But look, I, I I have to see if there's any any drill down on NRO. You got to drill drill down the data because I reckon most of that would be Cameron Munster. Um, <laughs> that's that's how he tends to play. He tends to sort of dummy. But um, look, <clears throat> just absolutely dominant performance if we look at the run meters all run meters 1812 versus 1330 i mean you know tackle breaks 50 to 29 um just uh, you know kick return meters 151 to 109 so look whenever whenever pretty much penrith had the ball they uh, they were dominant now this is a team that's known for its uh, absolutely rock solid defence, um, and yet, you know, if you look at missed tackles again, it's a flip side of the other thing. Twenty nine versus fifty, um, although they had twenty one ineffective tackles versus twelve uh, Penrith Panthers, so that's a bit surprising. Um, but yeah, in terms of the other stats, look, it it, it all points to the Panthers being dominant in attack. In defence, they had 56% possession. So, again, they play very much a possession-style game. Their completion rate was amazing, 41 out of 47 complete sets, whereas the Storm had 21 out of 32 for only 65%. So, look, if you just look at the stats, you'd think this is clearly a Panthers, uh, the Panthers game, and it certainly was. And, and look, it to me, it all boiled down to... Um, you know, it, it is a Jerome Luai thing. I know that he doesn't feature in the scoreboard. He doesn't feature in the highlights reels. Everyone looks at Nathan Cleary. Um, he had a he had a great try, but you know, uh, running off a, a wayward kind of kick kick bounce, um, and he was there to sort of collect it um, <clears throat> and um, sort of go through un, untouched. Whichever way you look at it, it, it uh, you know, Jerome Luai doesn't really feature. But I think if you Anyone who knows the game and understands the importance of Jerome Luai to that back line realizes that you know uh, he he really is the glue there. He, without him allowing uh, Nathan Cleary to do his thing on one side, uh, Jerome Luai links links to the Brian Toto side better than anyone. Uh, Crichton takes the right side. Luai tends to take the left. Except there was that one occasion where um, Luai actually spun around and uh, actually went sideways um, uh, to, towards the other direction, towards the right, um, and ended up scoring, ended up being Brian Tor's last try in the 69th minute. So, look, Penrith Panthers, dominant every which way. Um, Tish, what are your views about the, the Panthers versus the Storm? And more importantly, 
who do you think kind of stood out as the best player? Yeah, well, look, um, I think, um, you know, you've raised some great points about Jerome uh, Luai, and um, I'll just start with him. You know, obviously, you know, he's had that injury, so I think it was very, um, very difficult to see how he was going to go. And I think I'm looking at it, he had 93% uh, tackle efficiency, only missed one tackle. And I know that uh, it would have been a tactic of the Melbourne Storm to, to sort of run traffic at him. So the fact he kind of, um, you know, was able to, to get past that, I think is fantastic. And look, he had a few tackle breaks, you know, he, he um, you know, he w- basically, you know, if you have Nathan running the team, you, you have Nathan Cleary and everything plays off him. But then with Jerome there, you've got another point of difference. And I think he also, the way he sort of sets up other players and the way he sort of, positions it just it just creates another dimension to their attack and look with the Panthers so I thought he had a great game particularly for a guy coming back uh after what being out for about a month maybe a bit more than a month on injury and look I think the whole squad I mean uh even in their attitude after the game that was sort of so business focused right they're all about business not really about entertainment at the moment because they know the job is not done so Kind of a bit scary for the Broncos, uh, you know, how focused Panthers were on the field as well as off the field, executing everything to perfection. Everything sort of um, uh, went their way a little bit. Like, you know, they they were able to score the first try. Um, I mean, not at, from a luck point of view. I just think that they were able to execute a lot better than what, um, you know, uh, the Storm were able to do. Uh, but they were able to, yeah, they were able to score pretty early on, and they're very good front runners. And I think that's one of the things. If you're going to beat the Panthers, you've got to try and score first, um, because that would, because um, you've got to be able to apply pressure. And if you're chasing the game, I think it's very hard to, uh, particularly against the Panthers. And then you know, on the other side, you know, the Storm, they kind of, they looked a bit worn, <laughs> you know, a bit, a bit sort of torn and worn sort of thing after so many matches. They really didn't know how to score. I think the Olam try sort of came from, um, you know, a bit of a, a bad defensive read. But the rest of the time, they had positions and moments in time where you felt like that they could get on top. They would um, string a couple of, you know, set against set against the Panthers. But then, you know, a bit of ill-discipline here or there, uh, a drop ball or, you know, or just getting frustrated not being able to score across the line and not really having a... Um, you know, fluidity to their actual attack. I think they just kind of lacked it. And, um, yeah, they've got a bit to work on for next year. They certainly have a, a squad that I think can challenge and go all the way to grand final. Um, but I just think they kind of lacked it out. But, you know, I think Panthers, you've got to take nothing away from them. They are, you know, they've been premiers for the last two years for a reason. This is why they're going for their three-peat. And uh, they've had a great season. They've lost... Not that many games at all, you know, and um, and I think that they really show their class um, throughout the whole of this final series and um, have been bom- dominant in both games. So, um, so that that really shows you how how sort of focused they're going to be. So, going to be very interesting how they uh, how they sort of uh, come into the fi- grand final. I think so. Um, yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on the game. All right, and let's move on to the next one, which um, not only was it also flogging, but it was also probably the most controversial, <laughs> the most controversial game of the entire season, I would say. The Broncos 42, the Warriors 12, uh, seven tries to three. 
we had um, <clears throat> uh, Herbie Farnworth had two tries, and uh, Dallin Watton is a Lesniak had two tries on the other side. It was <clears throat> 24-12 at halftime, the Broncos' way, and there was a period there where it looked like the uh, um, uh, the, the the Warriors were going to make a comeback, but then <clears throat> it was a um, probably the most controversial forward pass you will ever see <laughs> from Reese Walsh to uh, uh, whoever it was on the sideline. I forgot who it was. It was uh, overshadowed by the forwardness of that pass. Um, and uh, and not only that, but then the next pass after that was also forward, although not as much as Reese Walsh's forward pass. Um, that has led to so much controversy and calls for. Um, I think PVL is looking at whether the bunker can adjudicate in on very blatant, obvious forward passes in the future. And the logic is pretty sound. You know, if you if the bunker can adjudicate on knock-ons where they decide the ball was propelled forward. Why can't you adjudicate on forward passes when when it's pretty obvious uh, it's a forward pass? Especially when all the uh, three officials completely missed it. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible, but there you go. But look, the Broncos, um, you know, again, dominant performance, 24-12 at halftime. They probably deserved, uh, if you look at percentage of possession, uh, again, the it, it's a possession game. The Broncos dominated 53%. Possession completion rate was better for the Broncos 33 out of 40 versus 28 out of 36. All run meters look this. Uh, I think from the stats, if you look at it, I think this was a bit of a closer game on uh, statistically. I think than the Panthers and the Storm. Um, you know, run meters were 1948 versus 1650. So the Warriors definitely gave as good as they got. Um, in terms of uh, things like that, line breaks, however, eleven to four in favor of the Broncos. Tackle breaks, forty-eight to thirty-one in favor of the Broncos. Um, if we're looking at the dummy passes, thirty-one Broncos, fourteen Warriors. So they certainly had more dummy passes there. Kick meters was actually Warriors. Um, you know, the Sean Johnson, obviously that that's what he brought. I think compared to the Broncos, so that was pretty good there. They had eight bombs. Versus three, the the Warriors. I think none of those were very effective, unfortunately. Um, you know, if we look at ineffective tackles, unfortunately, the Warriors forty-two versus twenty-one um, uh, errors, ten to nine. Actually, Broncos had more errors. So, look, this this unfortunately, if you look at the stats, doesn't really give you a clear picture that that the the Broncos were that far ahead of the Warriors. But on the scoreboard. It was a uh, a demolition, uh, forty-two to twelve. <clears throat> I think towards the end of that game, you could sense that the Warriors had kind of given up. But I also feel that a lot of people are thinking that what happened with that controversial Reese Walsh um, forward pass, just when the the Warriors, you know, they looked like they were kind of getting close. Um, it sort of extended the the lead. I think from twenty-four twelve to you know, I think it was. It was a Jordan Reiki try. It must have been the 54th minute. It that's really was the nail in the coffin. I think by that stage, uh, the Warriors they didn't really score a point in the second half, did they? So that's really where they they kind of blew it. I think they um, they uh, they their chance of a comeback kind of uh, faltered, even though there were there was momentum going their way at that point. But Tish, uh, I think this is all about <clears throat> you know 
uh, at one point, I think the commentators were saying that Kevy Waters brought off three of their most important players to rest them for the grand final to make sure that they don't get injured in the final few minutes when the the score was uh, was you know in no doubt. Um, and those players are Adam Reynolds, uh, Patrick Carrigan, and of course Reese Walsh. And look, this was all the Reese Walsh show. I think uh, certainly got the feeling that. Um, he he has brought that spark to the Broncos that they've been missing in the last uh, you know few years. I know that with Adam Reynolds there, the steady hand, the you know premiership winning uh, player that he is, he understands what it's like to win as well as Kevy Walters does. But I think having having that Reese Walsh X factor has really added so much depth to the Broncos attack and and just makes them dangerous. All the time, there were several periods where, you know, the uh, anytime they had a, a break, um, uh, you know, in a broken play, you could see that there were four, five, six Broncos players in uh, in pursuit, waiting to, you know, uh, tackle the player or <clears throat> or pursue whoever it was that had broken uh, the line, and that's the difference I think between the Broncos and the Warriors. That the, the Broncos look like. They just fought and fought until the last minute, and every single one of them. And I think, uh, dare I say it, uh, Tish, it is a little bit like the Queensland spirit. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, look, I'm not surprised that the yeah, I'm not surprised that the uh, statistics, uh, sorry, uh, the stats show a close game because I think, to be fair, I think for about. Uh, let's just call it 50 minutes, maybe. Yeah, you know what? Let's call it 60 minutes. I think it was actually a very tight game. And I actually felt a lot of times that you could even argue that the Warriors were better. Um, so, look, they scored the first try. Uh, Dallin, uh, yeah, DWZ scored the first try, fourth minute. Then Billy Walters uh, countered, seventh minute. Then uh, DWZ scored again, 11th minute. Then Herbie Farmworth scored again. 16th minute, then Montoya scored in the 28th minute. Oh, sorry, no. And then that, just Yarthas also scored, and then the you know Warriors actually scored. And then so look at halftime. It was 24-12, but it was actually four tries to three. But the reason why there was such a deficit is because uh, the Warriors did not kick any goals, right? Um, so four tries to three. It actually shows you how close of a game it was. Um, and then, you know, but the real danger is obviously if you're not converting, you're only going up by fours. The other team is going up by six. They're already ahead by six, um, well, by 12 points because of the extra try as well that they're converting. And then you have a bit of a tragedy almost if you are the Warriors, right, uh, having, you know, clearly a try that shouldn't be a try being awarded, and now you're moving up to 30 to 12, um, so 18 points, so three converted tries difference in a game that you, uh, when it's really only five tries to three, really, you know, but you've, uh, but because you haven't kicked any goals, you've got to have like, you know, it's going to have to be an amazing comeback. And I think that was there. Uh, and look, and that try happened in about, uh, yeah, around the 54 minute mark. A couple of minutes later, I think it was less than five minutes, uh, Adam Pompey, he was sin binned. Uh, as well, <laughs> so you have a sin bin, you've had a decision not go your way, and I think that that's sort of ten minute period where, um, you know, the Broncos they they sort of uh, 
were able to consolidate a little bit. You know, they actually scored a try. Um, they scored one. Well, Herbie scored his try just a little bit after the Sinbid, but uh, no, sorry, Hezraman scored before, like just during the Sinbid period, and then a little bit after it was over, then Herbie came in. But then, um, yeah, so look, I think that's the way the match went overall. But, you know, um, hopefully I'm describing to you that it, it, it was really a tight game up until, you know, decisions didn't go their way. And you could argue that the Warriors probably, you know, you've got to be able to to handle the decisions a little bit better. Um, but I think also, like, maybe the occasion, you know, the nerves around the goal kicking, um, you know, they're all very difficult shots out wide as well. So I, I think that's also difficult if you've got wingers scoring all the time. Um Maybe a bit of awareness about when when you're scoring as well could also be a, a bit of a factor. Like um, I know DWZ likes to put the ball right in the corner, um, but you know you could give your you could give the bloke a little bit of a, a gap. Particularly, I think the the uh, yeah I think it was the second try. I was like, man, you could just run a little bit in, you know, like. But so. Yes, I think it was there. But, look, I think take nothing away again for the Broncos. Look, obviously, um, you know, clinical in a different way, but they were able to sort of fight off a challenge from the Warriors. Um, So I think they got a bit more value out of sort of, you know, their uh, this game in terms of getting getting them set up. And, um, you know, we mentioned it off the top of the show, one versus two, Um, you know, so the best two teams of the year and, the fact that the war, you know, both the Broncos and the Panthers were able to, to basically, you know, um, steamroll the Warriors and the Storm in both the semi-finals games that they've all played um, against each other, kind of shows you that probably the Broncos and Panthers are playing at a different level, and um, so it does mean that I think the grand final is going to be a lot closer than what these games are, and I just wonder with the Broncos having. Um, basically, again, where sixty minutes, it was it was basically try for try, um, to to then uh, I think it just <laughs> they might be a bit more I suppose battle hardened than the Panthers who've had a more relatively easier uh, way to it. But you know the Panthers they also turn up at Grand Final day. We've seen it last two years in a row. So uh, I think it sets up something. I think it's going to be a very uh, entertaining, exciting, and interesting grand final to say the least all right and on that note we are about to preview the grand final in tackle number two here we go The Penrith Panthers will play the Brisbane Broncos at 7.30 p.m. this Sunday, the 1st of October at a course stadium in Sydney. The bookies have the Panthers at slight favourites and uh, in, they are going for a historic three-peat. The first ever three in a row since my beloved Parramatta Eels in the early 80s. And the Broncos looking to get their first premiership since 2006. Of course, they haven't been in a grand final since 2015 when uh, they lost that epic last-minute grand final uh, to the Cowboys, who won their maiden, maiden premiership that year. Um, so, you know, lo- long time between drinks for the Broncos. 
the Panthers, however, have just been building and building their legacy and continue to look seemingly continue to get better and better. They were minor premiers this year. Um, Broncos easily could have been minor premiers as well, but they chose at the end to kind of not put their best foot forward in the last um, the last week, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and they ended up kind of paying the price for it by losing to uh, the Melbourne Storm and then last round, and that sort of sealed the deal for the uh, the, the Panthers to take out the minor premiership. There's no team list at the moment, but we do have some stats that we can uh, uh, we can talk about. So, look, since 1988, these teams have played 42 times head-to-head, and the result is 24 wins to the Broncos, 17 to the Panthers, one drawn. The most recent games that they've played this year, there have been two games played. The most recent one was in uh, on the 18th of May where the Panthers won 15-4, to and the previous one was 3rd of March where the Broncos won 13-12. to And obviously in terms of their form, um, apart from the Panthers losing against the Eels in the penultimate round this year and the Storm winning against the Broncos in, in the final uh, regular season round this year, these teams have just been winning, winning, winning every single game since then. Obviously, they won the first, uh, <clears throat> um, the first. Well, the road to the grand final. Let's let's talk about that in the finals. It's really a case of uh, these teams only really playing top four teams. So, in the first round, uh, the Panthers flogged the Warriors thirty-two to six to make, to get that week off and then uh, get to the grand final qualifier where they defeated the Storm 38 to 4 which we just spoke about. The Broncos uh destroyed the Storm 26-0 in round 1 of the of the finals and obviously we just talked about their Warriors 42-12 defeat. So as you said earlier Tish, these teams have defeated really only the Warriors and the Storm on the way here. So they uh, you know <clears throat> a quirk of the final series that they uh they never got to play any of the other teams, but they played the best of the rest and were way better than them. So I think I think it's clear to say that these two teams clearly deserve to be in the grand final uh, based on the stats and based on their win percentage this year. They both won 20 out of 26 games this year. In terms of points scored, it was pretty close. 715, the Panthers have scored this year versus 707 for the Broncos. However, the points conceded is where there's a massive difference. The Panthers have only conceded 322 points in the entire year versus the Broncos 437. So that's more than 100 difference. Um, completion rate also favours the Panthers 82% throughout the course of the year versus 77% for the Broncos. Tackle efficiency slightly higher for the Panthers by about a percent. Um, average points conceded. So we said, you know, their four and against is roughly the same. Um, uh, and Sorry, their, their four is roughly the same. So it turns out it ends up being an average of 27 points that they score. However, the big difference is that the Panthers on average are looking at 12 points conceded versus 16 for the Broncos. Um, average play the ball speed is slightly faster for the Panthers. Um, <clears throat> and look... I think in terms of stats, um, that's probably the best that I could give mm. at the moment. I think that's all that the NRL has at the moment. <clears throat> but really, look, in terms of what what wins premierships, I think we've all heard the the old adage that defence 
wins championships and just on that basis alone i think the panthers have uh you know a way ahead of the broncos in that respect um just on average they just got a better better defense when you put them head to head though um you know not too bad i mean uh, you know they 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 did only concede four points last time they played and but they lost the the previous one then they conceded 13 points so but again that's just about average isn't it for the panthers so i think when it comes to uh, a tight tussle a defensive tussle i would put my money on the panthers to win that one because i think the broncos um look the way that the the warriors were a little bit closer to them this time than than i think the storm were suggests that i think they uh um they've got they've got some vulnerability in defense i mean i think some of the, the you know the the warriors scored three tries last time on them uh, in the first half and they weren't necessarily the most complicated tries in fact they were kind of um i think it's fair to say they were kind of simple tries and and soft tries in a way uh simple overlaps on on uh on all occasions i think and so i i think that's a bit of a worry for the broncos i think they've got to watch out for their uh their sort of uh external extreme lateral defense on the wings i think that's where they're most vulnerable i think what we saw from the broncos however was that they have a pretty good uh down the middle momentum speed kind of game and i think that's typical of the broncos of the kevy walters era where they just sort of uh you know lots of lateral movement lots of turning the defense around no fear you know all courage all offense you know this is what the broncos are going to bring um i've been seen i've seen tish that it's been talked about as uh you know when an uh, unstoppable force meets an immovable object mm. <laughs> which is like this is kind of this is really exciting i mean this mm. is potentially going to be you know one of the most exciting offenses versus the strongest defense in the competition who's going to win and that's not to say that the panthers only know how to play defense i mean yeah. they've got luai they've got cleary but uh, the counter attack you know you put all that together and i think the broncos have a bit of a weakness in the defense especially on the edges whereas the panthers are probably vulnerable up the middle from what i've seen uh what the storm were able to do to them um you know very briefly and certainly where look I think if you know talking as an Eels fan um we're the only team that's uh, got a winning record against the Panthers in the last several years and there's a reason for that and I think we've worked out the the formula to to defeat the Panthers on any occasion really or except for when it counted last year in the grand final but apart from that we've we've worked out how how to do it and I think a lot of it has to do with that momentum confidence game up the middle um and that's kind of what the broncos have like they a lot of their um their offense is not built on kicks necessarily although you've got you know one of the best proponents in the game in Adam Reynolds their offense is built on um you know broken play they don't even need to sort of pressure you um up close like they can do it from far away from 90 meters away they can score on you and that's the broncos of old that is the broncos of the kevy walters era and if that's the broncos that we're going to see in the grand final against this defensive powerhouse of the panthers i'm looking forward to an epic epic grand final so uh that's my initial take on it tish what about you yeah well look um thank you for all those stats um 
I was just going to bring some more in if you if you don't mind. <laughs> but um, look, Panthers once again they've won their past eight finals matches. Uh, the Bron- the you know Brisbane have won six of their seven grand finals that they've participated in. Um, Brian Toho scores nine tries in the last five finals games. Reese Walsh has thirty seven line breaks uh, in twenty one games this year, and uh, Penrith have won uh, nine of their eleven. Um, you know, past games at a core stadium, uh, and the Broncos have outscored opponents sixty-eight to twelve in their two finals games to date this season. So, look, two teams that have been the clearly the top two teams for the whole year in form. Um, I think that's what everything is indicating to. And um, you know, basically, they're going to have probably the same seventeen they've had throughout the whole final series. Uh, everything just seems to be coming together. So. Almost like the perfect run in. Um, so I think the first thing that you got to think about is the occasion of the grand final itself, right? Um, because sometimes you could see the two teams, uh, the way they sort of run onto the field, you know, the team that seems to be able to handle the occasion a lot better in terms of the nerves and being able to get into the rhythm of the game, and, you know, and actually, you know, the way, way they've, you know, prepared. And uh, to handle the pressure throughout the whole week is, you know, is important. Now, my guess is because the Panthers, this is their fourth grand final in a row, which is an amazing effort. So definitely we're, we're in the middle of a, of a Panthers dynasty at the moment, which um, basically seems unstoppable, right? Um, because obviously their squad is, uh, I suppose, grand final seasoned now. You don't really expect uh, them to sort of be, you know, uh, overawed by the occasion. Um, yes, they're going for three in a row, but at the same time, I don't feel like, uh, you know, a few years ago, I think the Roosters were back to back and then they kind of collapsed on their way to the next, you know, grand final. Um, but you kind of, everybody was sort of talking about the three in a row for the whole season. I don't think anybody has uh, mentioned that too much about the Panthers. So I don't feel like that pressure is there for them. Uh, as much as what it was for the Roosters, so I think they've made it, and I don't, I don't know how much of a big deal it is for them. I think they're just going to play with that one game in front of them. So uh, yeah, I kind of feel like the Panthers are going to do that. Now on the other end, uh, you know the Broncos. Obviously, it's been a while since they've uh, been in the finals. Um, but having said that, though, you know their leader, Adam Reynolds, he, um, have, you know, he was in the grand final just two years ago. Uh, you know, when he was playing for the Rabbitohs. And, you know, that was a very close grand final win to the Panthers. It was only 14-12, right? And the difference was an intercept. Um, and he's won a grand final before as well for South. So, you know, you've got somebody in there that can guide those young players uh, around that never played in the grand final before. Um, look, you've also got players like experienced players like Kirk Capewell, who won a premiership for um, the Panthers as well playing for the Broncos. So I don't know uh, if I necessarily agree with them being able, if anybody's saying that they, um, that the Broncos, you know, may, I mean, they may be out there and a bit nervous, but I think they've got enough experienced heads that have played in big games. And, you know, we're just talking about grand finals, but I think the origin experience also sort of plays into it too. So I think I think the Broncos are going to be okay. I mean, uh, with that. So then you actually go to the game, and you're right. It's you know both teams have players where 
they don't need a lot of uh, room uh, or space to be able to create an opportunity um, that leads to a try. You know, both teams have players like that. You know, I think Stephen Crichton is one of those players. Or I think, um, you know, uh, Dylan Edwards, I think, is one of those players too, right? Um, Jerome Luai, you know, uh, the, you know, the Panthers have got that on that side. But then equally, you know, on the Broncos' end, um, you know, uh, Selwyn Cobo, for example, like he doesn't need much. Um, you know, Reese Walsh doesn't need much as well, right? Um, you know, I think Ezra Mann doesn't need much. He's great at also sort of um, – following up and, um, you know, uh, Katoni Staggs as well, right? So, and Herbie. So, so, so I think both teams have those uh, weapons uh, that, you know, you know they, can, they can create an opportunity out of half chances into full chance type thing. Um, so that's why I think this is going to be a, a game. I think it's going to be an open game. I think the Broncos are going to – oh, this is going to be difficult. I think the team that can play uh, the closest – to their best, which <laughs> is really difficult, right? Because I'm just thinking about the Broncos. Like, I feel like they're going to be a, l- a little more attacking and a little more open. Um, so then, you know, and I think that's the way they've got to play. I don't think they've got to play conservative. If they play too within their shell, shell, it might be a bit of a problem. But then, obviously, you don't want to have too many drop balls and things like that happening as well, right? I think on the flip side, I think the Panthers, they kind of just know their game, just, you know, run as many meters as you can and just sort of, um, you know, get, like, you know, let's get clinical. Like, you know, that's that, that's kind of, you know, they can play that clinical game too better than the Broncos, right? So I think the Broncos want an open, aggressive game and I think um, and I think the Panthers probably want to get into their sets and systems and then have Jerome and and Stephen Crichton and all that in, in a point of difference. Uh, now, I don't believe... This just came to my mind right now. I don't believe I'm ever going to say this, right? I think if you were in the early 80s, right, I think the tactic that maybe Newtown and Western Suburbs employed, right, in their matches might actually be something that the Broncos might consider a little bit because it will throw you off the game. But maybe the Broncos might try and start an all-in brawl. <laughs> In the first scrum or something, you know, uh, just to take the Panthers off their game because I think they have to do something um, to not get them into their rhythm. And I think once the Panthers get settled, you, you can't take them out of that, you know. So, look, I think, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great game, but, but, but you know, I'm leaning more towards the Panthers the more I sort of, uh, you know, think about it. But um, I'd be interested to see if, if the Broncos have a tactic to try and, Throw them off a little bit, the Panthers, because I think they need to. Because otherwise, uh, it's going to be it's going to be the Panthers three in a row, which which would be amazing. Yeah, look, um, I think you're advocating for a state of origin <laughs> style. Yeah, bring back the Biff. Is that what you're suggesting <laughs> that they do? Well, I'm suggesting something has to happen early, or that will just throw Panthers off. Um, like get them a bit more aggressive and angry. Like you've seen it in other get well. Here's the thing, they kind of thrive there too. I'm just thinking about these Raiders again. The Raiders tried that tactic a little bit, right, where they sort of rough them up a little bit and then it's sort of, um, you know, the aggression and, you know, they get distracted from what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wonder if that is actually going to benefit the Panthers actually. Mm. Because I, I, I get the feeling that the Broncos – 
I guess, you know, based on what we saw even just this weekend, they they kind of thrive on that confidence and they, they kind of get better as the game goes on. Mm, whereas, yeah, whereas I think, I think the Panthers are, if anything, it's like, uh, you know, it's not not really. It's them that that um, that require. Uh, it's the the Broncos, I think, that require that. Um, you know, they just sort of ease into the game, and uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I I just get the feeling that a a bit of an argument and a biff is actually probably not going to be beneficial to the Broncos at all. You um, okay? So yeah, you they're think- just an opinion. Mm. I don't know for sure, but. I don't think yeah. they need it. Put it that way. I think that they're good enough to win, as long as they stick to their, you know. I mean, you can have the best defense in the world, but on the day, if you have if you play better offensively, and stick to your guns and stick to an offensive style sort of play, you are bringing the defensive team to your level, and and beating them at your own game. And I think that's really. If you look at the the clubs that have been able to do that successfully over the years, you know you you've got lots of occasions where you've got different styles going into a particular game, but really the winner is the one that that sets the tone and sets the tempo. And I think that's what I think that's what I was trying to say with the Warriors that even though the Warriors were, um, you know, they they were tit for tat initially, there was definitely a sense of it's the Broncos that dictated the momentum. You know, when they wanted to speed things up and, and get going, they were all over them. When they slowed down a bit in the second half, early in the second half, you got the feeling that, you know, the Warriors were given a bit of an open door there. They just mm. couldn't open it fully and they couldn't walk in. Um, and that's because the Broncos didn't let them. So I think, you know, as much as I'm thinking the Panthers are definitely a team that I will be tipping and I think that they will most likely get the three Pete. I think this is probably the most uh, the most dangerous of the teams that they would have faced. And I think the Broncos have what it takes to cause I wouldn't even call it a boil over or an upset. I think I think they they, they rightfully are in the top two this year and they're only really within a whisker of, of the Panthers to win that minor premiership. So I, I think that this is sort of all pointing to, you know, how are the Broncos going to handle this occasion? How mm. are the, uh, you know, we already know that the Panthers have done really well to get to where they are, to maintain that really high standard. Let's not forget they've done that without Kikau and without Coruscant and whoever else they've lost this year to the Bulldogs yeah. or, or to another team. So they've, they've lost a pretty big portion of their premiership winning squad the last two, over the last two years. And still they've made it to the grand final and still they are. It is about a system, a, a proven formula versus um, really a well-oiled but exciting attacking machine where you really don't know what's going to happen. You know, is Reese Walsh going to be on his game or not? If he's on his game, anything could happen. If he has a quiet game and if the Panthers handle him defensively, um, this could be a blowout and we could be seeing a uh, another, you know, potentially talks about a fourth premiership next year. I mean, it's that mm. that's how good they are compared to the rest. So it's um, it really is to me all about 
we know what kind of Panthers team is going to turn out because they've they're clinical. As you say, let's get clinical. Like that's what they do now. They are the new Melbourne Storm. Mm. Um, but the Broncos are the unknown, and they're the X factor. So yeah. it really is what people have been saying. It's an unstoppable Broncos versus, uh, well, uh, a team that can stop you, <laughs> the Panthers. Yeah. Uh, it's it's exciting. But yeah, I you know, I know we're going to do the tips later. But I think for me, the Panthers are just a little bit a little step ahead and i think they're able to meet whatever challenges the broncos can throw at them um yeah. defensively and even if they fall behind and even if it's a tit for tat game i think the the panthers have been tested several times this year and they've risen to the occasion more often than not and i think they've got the experience there to to work their way through it they've got luai they've got cleary um, they've got Crichton there as well. Toor, they've got lots of experience in big games. And, uh, yeah, for mine, it's the Panthers. But, uh, Tish, your last word on this before we move on. Well, I think one important statistic that the Broncos have at, over the Panthers is, you know, the Broncos are, have scored the most most tries off crucial moments uh, where forward passes are thrown. So maybe <laughs> the tactic from Brisbane is throw the ball forward early on, get a try, controversially, um, <laughs> and then and then I think uh, look, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I think the same bit is the Panthers. What I worry about it from a Panthers point of view is if the Broncos score first because I, I feel like you could unravel them. If you if you yeah if you score first uh, yeah you, you are right probably the Biffy's going to support the Panthers a little bit more <laughs> right now <laughs> that I think about because they handle that pretty well actually but yeah but I think in terms of going down on the scoreboard uh, because they like to sort of front run up I, I, I mean they're so used to it that's the thing you know they you know, you got to put them in a position that they're not that used to so um, but but I probably think the Panthers so yeah. All right, let's go to tackle number three. We're going to preview the NRLW Grand Final. All right, this Sunday at uh, 1st of October... Uh, on NRL Grand Final Day, the precursor to the main game is the Knights versus the Titans. First place Knights, uh, NRL Women's and the Women's Gold Coast Titans, are, who came third. The Knights are probably slightly favourites, and uh, they uh, they came to this victory. Uh, they came to this Grand Final party with a thirty to twenty four victory over the Broncos, whereas the Titans upset the Roosters twelve nil. Um, they're <clears throat> these teams have won at least five games in a row, and I think the Knights have won at least six. They beat the Titans in their last game on the 13th of August this year, 22-10. to 10, And around the same time last year, they won 16-12. to 12. But in terms of current form, the Knights certainly have form on the board. Um, they've won nine out of the ten games in their season this year, whereas the Titans have won eight out of the ten. Um, the, the Knights... Clearly are uh, the attacking team here, 254 points throughout the whole year versus 176 for the Titans, whereas the Titans have the wood on them in terms of the defence, 126 conceded points versus 143 to the Knights. Um, the, if you look at, uh, what am I missing, 
head-to-head. 2-1, the Knights have beaten the Titans in their history. Uh, what other points? Completion rate is very close. Tackle efficiency is slightly favouring the uh, the Titans. Um, average playable speed is a little bit quicker for the Knights. And uh, look, yeah, I, I think if if you look at the fact that yeah, the 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 previous game in order to get in the Knights um, high scoring game against the Broncos, whereas the Titans low scoring game where they held the Roosters to zero points. This is a very <laughs> familiar story, isn't it? In this case, the Knights are like the Broncos in the men's game, and the Titans are like the Panthers in the men's game. And we're talking again about a and very much a team that's focused on attack versus a team that's focused on defense. They say defense wins championships. This will be the Gold Coast Titans' first ever championship if they win it. But I think all the points, all the stats point to the Knights. Uh, apart from that defensive one, Tish, we don't have the teams at the moment. It's too early in the week. But what do you think about the stats? What 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 can you tell me about where you're headed in terms of Knights v Titans? Well, um, look, the first thing I've got to say is well done to the NRLW Titans team, right? Because this is significant. They're the first team from the Gold Coast, right? Uh, even the ill-fated, you know, Giants slash Seagulls slash Chargers franchise never made it to the grand final, right? The Titans, the men's team have never made it to the grand final. So this is the first uh, first first uh, team from the Gold Coast to actually uh, get to the GF, so um, you know, of a, of a you know national rugby league level competition, right? I'm not too sure about Queensland Cup and things like that. So I think that's a it's a very historic moment, and uh, you know these girls are going to have the chance to uh, to obviously make history um, uh, this you know this Sunday at uh, you know at the grand final. So looking at all of that and, um, look, the Knights, they've been the number one team and they're a good team for a reason and I think they've uh, certainly outplayed, um, you know, most of the other teams in, in the competition this year. Uh, but there's, I, I do believe uh, there are some really good players for the Titans too and I did watch them, um, you know, basically I think the Roosters had the best attack and the Titans were able to hold them to nil um, just with just really great defense and there is a... There is one player for the Titans um, with the pink head gear, right? Um, uh, I think it's uh, – I just want to get the name right. Pink, uh, you know, pink head gear. Uh, I think she's number 17. Um, yeah, uh, Titans player. Um, like I pretty much saw um, – <laughs> I pretty much saw uh, like other players just like run away from her. <laughs> right, because um, she really knows how to tackle type thing. So, you know, I think I think the Titans, um, yeah, I'm liking the Titans. Can I just say that? I, I just think that um, obviously it would be great for the franchise, but I think they've also, um, you know, last year I think they were the wooden spooners as well. So for them to go all the way up here I think is is pretty pretty amazing. So I'm going to tip the Titans. I think it's going to be a bit of an upset, but I also think that the standard of rugby league at the women's game uh, it's been the best ever this year. Um, you know, even with the expansion, I think that it's gone to a new level. So I definitely want to see. Um, I definitely think this is going to be a great game to watch. And I think 
just the way the matches have gone, I think it's going to be going to get really, really close as well. Um, so, yeah, so looking forward to this one, no doubt it's going to be great. All right. Um, look, I'm I'm tipping. I'm leaning towards the Knights. I think um, they will. Uh, yeah, I think the, the again, it's um, defense tends to win these championships, but I think just get the feeling that you know you do still need to score more points than the opposition. And I think the, no one really does it better than the Knights this year. And I think um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tight one, but I think uh, the the Knights just have a slight edge in terms of their big game performances this year um so i'm just like i'm leaning towards the knights and uh, and i think well done i agree well done to the titans i think they've got some good um strong players there i don't think uh they'll they'll look at themselves as as the underdogs i think they'll look at themselves as a equal chance of winning this one despite what the uh the bookies are saying but um that win against the the roosters absolutely to hold them to nil is a really big performance. And I wonder whether that is either going to be a catalyst for them to, you know, catapult their game to another level, or is that going to be their grand final? Uh, who knows? That's that's why the beauty of grand finals and big games is that you just don't know what's going to happen. But look, I think those are our tips for the NRLW grand final. Let's quickly talk about the NRL state championship grand final. Tackle number four, here we go. The NRL State Championship Grand Final is going to be the first game that's played this weekend uh, at the NRL Grand Final, and it's going to be between the East uh, the East Tigers, who defeated the Bears twenty-two to eighteen uh, just last weekend at uh, Redcliffe. Oh, sorry, the weekend previous weekend, not not a couple of days ago. Um, at KO Stadium in Redcliffe, they defeated uh, the Burley Bears, sorry, 22 to 18, and uh, and unfortunately for um, anyone who is a Bears fan, uh, you also lost the New South Wales <laughs> version, <laughs> where the North Sydney Bears lost 22 to 18 against the Rabbitohs. So actually, did I just say that right? Is it was it was 22 to 18 both games? Oh my goodness. You could not have scripted it any better. Um, I wonder if it's going to be a 22 to 18 <laughs> or, you know, win to either the Rabbitohs or East Tigers. Look, I am i don't know much about these teams. All I know is that Blake Taff has, uh, I think, got the man of match performance in the Rabbitohs. Obviously, he's the NRL standard player, uh, one of the main players there for the Rabbitohs. Um, I don't know much about the... Uh, the other other team, um, but I think, like in sorry, in terms of the East uh, Tigers representing the Queensland uh, champions, but um, I just get the feeling that, um, you know, well, let me look. Let me look now. So, in terms of the the stats for the East Tigers, we've got uh, we've got Corey Thompson there. We've got Riley Jacks. I'm just looking at names that I recognise. Uh, Thomas Rafter, who could be related to Pat Rafter, we Pat don't Rafter. know. Mm. Or Cole Gaia. Cole Gaia. Is Gaia 
Could be Mac, Mark Guy or Matt Guy's uh, son. Who knows? Descendant, yeah. Uh, somehow a descendant, yes. And um, yeah, look when you when you look at that, put it all together. Uh, I think the the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I think they've got you know such a winning kind of mentality. They've got a strong, a uh, few NRL level players in their midst. So I think. Um, yeah, I think they will defeat the East or East Brisbane Tigers. Tish, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, this is, uh, you know, I just realised that all three games this uh, grand final day is going to be New South Wales versus Queensland. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, now, now, there was a 100% chance that this game of, would be. Of this one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, but... Um, yeah, but look, I think I think the main thing that has happened here, and I don't know how they got away with this, but you know, the East Tigers have had a week off <laughs> because they played their grand final one week early, right? Um, so true. I, that's very true. Yeah. yeah, so I kind of give it to to them just on the fact that uh, <laughs> yeah, that they've been able to take a week off. I don't think that that's happened in previous seasons, and. Um, I don't think I think it's been a while since a Queensland team has been able to win this one, um, just because of the you know infusion of NRL players that have been uh, in the squads. Um, so like we've had, uh, and ever since we had it, we had uh, you know the Panthers been in the first year, then the Jets, uh, the Illawarra Cutters, then won the Penrith Panthers won, the Canterbury Bulldogs won. Newtown Jets have won, yeah. So we've only really we've got to go back to the second year in 2015 where the Ipswich Jets were the uh, you know were able to take it out. So I think maybe the extra week has has given them the ability to uh, to just freshen up a little bit more. Um, and I think that's probably uh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tip the Brisbane Tigers. Um, I have been uh, you know as a Tigers West Tigers supporter, you know you gotta let you gotta let a Tiger win, you know. So. <laughs> Oh look, I do forgive you for uh, opting for a Queensland team just because they are a Tigers team. I absolutely, <laughs> I totally understand. I'm, I'm with you on that one. That's fair enough. Um, all right, all right. Well, let's um, with that in mind, let's move on to the NRL. A bit of N- news about the NRL Grand Final Day. What would you expect if you end up going there to, of course, Stadium on Grand Final Day? Here we go. Tackle number five. <laughs> So, look, the event schedule for Grand Final Day at Accor Stadium looks as follows. Gates will open at 1 p.m. At 1.20, the state championship kicks off. Tigers, obviously, against the Rabbitohs, as we just mentioned. 3.55, the NRLW uh, will kick off. And at 7.30, the Telstra Premiership kicks off with 9.30. Approximately is when we're going to have the post-match presentation and lap of honour. don't forget that in uh, this year, there's well, there's a few things that um, you can look at. NRL.com's got a lot of information about what's going to happen on Grand Final Day. I thought we'd just quickly talk about it because there's been a few things that have already been announced, and I thought we'd uh, just remind people what to expect and what to look forward to, whether you're there or whether you're watching it on TV, um, anywhere around the world. And really, 
the key thing is that because of uh, obviously the death of Tina Turner this year and 30 years since the famous Tina Turner iconic performance at the 1993 grand final where she sang simply the best we are going to see um, the stars of Tina the Tina Turner musical um, give a, a, a performance that is going to you know commemorate that famous uh, grand final performance from 30 years ago. Um, I'm absolutely looking forward to it, looking forward to that because it's going to be, uh, you know, they're a great great bunch of uh, talent singers, dancers, etc. And uh, if they if they go even close to replicating what happened 30 years ago, I think those that are there in the ground will absolutely be in for a treat. Um, it's just going to be really, really awesome. So well done to the NRL for putting that together. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, there's also going to be live performances from Australian rock band King Stingray, um, mm. who will speak, uh, who will, sorry, who will perform. They're a five-piece band from Northern Territory. They're going to perform in both English and Yolnu Mata languages. Um, and they will deliver the NRLW Grand Final pregame show before they return to the stage in uh, for the build-up to the NRL Grand Final. Then what's happening before the game? So there's there's obviously lots of stuff happening, and I'll quickly run through a few of the things that are happening before the game, uh, around the game, etc. Things to look forward to. So apparently, if you go, if you bring your old sports ball to the Westpac stand in the precinct of Accor Stadium, so not necessarily inside, but in the precinct area. You can trade it in for a brand new Westpac NRL or NRLW Premiership Steedon football. Um, wow. That's an obviously only offer. You can only bring one, limit one per person per exchange per day. Mm. But what a great initiative. Bring your old ball and they can trade in for a brand new, you know, kind of uh, Westpac branded one uh, representing the NRL, NRLW Premiership. Well done. Yeah. So that's, that's a really great idea. Um Telstra Activation Hub. You can get a photo with the NRL Telstra Premiership Trophy. You can commentate on your favourite NRL match moments. There's a thing called Solo Kick. Oh, sorry, NRL Hub Experiences, Solo Kick. Test your skills at the Solo Virtual Kick Simulator. I think I did that once in uh, when it was at the old Allianz Stadium a few years ago. I think that was pretty awesome. Little One of those, like, audio-visual things, really good. Uh, skills and drills helps you test your rugby league ability, accuracy, and speed. Then there is chemist warehouse reaction wall and samples. Um, Wait, samples at, from chemist warehouse? I don't know what that means, yeah. Yep. You get, you get a sample bag. I don't know oh. what that means, and I think um, <clears throat> look out for um, Shane Flanagan. Yep. And, so, uh, so don't try to dispense your um, your scripts there, please. It's not, it's not an actual chemist warehouse. <laughs> no, that's not. No, no. You just get you just get sample bags of uh, something. I don't know. Who knows? Um, test your reaction time, and apparently you can take part in the chemist warehouse halftime activation to win a share of ten thousand dollars. So well done. Then there's a thing called high sense photo moment. Get yourself on the big screen, snap a selfie with the high sense photo frames in the stadium precinct. Then you put a hashtag in there and in with a chance to get a $300 NRL shop voucher. So that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> For those of you that are lucky to have tickets and to get inside the stadium, there's even more things happening. There's the Westpac Catch and Keep, which is where uh, I guess if the match ball goes into the crowd, whoever catches it keeps it. <laughs> that's wow. Pretty awesome. 
that's pretty awesome. So no mm. more. You're not going to get arrested <laughs> if you keep if your ten year old keeps a ball. Uh, you know you're allowed to. So that's what they're saying on the website officially. So there you go. There's another thing called uh, Swift X Bitcoin Boogie Dance Off. Buster move to the music whilst the Swift X crypto cam zooms around the stadium to find our lucky winner who will walk away with a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds like some money laundering the NRL is getting into. <laughs> Sounds a bit dodge. But yeah. anyway, put on you. Um, <laughs> KFC fry or no fry banners. We've seen these before. I think we saw them at the mm. stadium on the weekend. Uh, you know, if, if your team scores a try, you lift it up and it says fry. KFC fry or no fry. Um, KFC bucket catch. Two lucky participants will be selected from the stands to come down onto the field and participate in the KFC bucket catch. Win $100 worth of fried gold vouchers for every high ball caught in the bucket. That sounds like a good game. Um, DoorDash halftime dash. You could have the chance to win a year's worth of DoorDash. Keep an eye out for the DoorDash promo staff in the NRL Grand Final Precinct to go in for the draw. If you're selected, you'll get the opportunity to compete at halftime in an obstacle course. And if you win that, you get a year's worth of DoorDash. That's pretty awesome. So there you mm. go. Then there's more. I'm, I'm only halfway through. There's wow. VB Kick. Two lucky fans will go head-to-head -head for the chance to win a year of beer. Oh, my God. Get, <laughs> participants will get three conversion kicks, each at different <laughs> distances, with the best out of three kicks winning. So, yeah, look, no age limit on this, by the way. You could be no, as young yeah. as three. That's all right. All the five-year-olds <laughs> up against Nathan Highmarsh, who can't, who can't kick a conversion kick for good. Um, Harvey Norman spin to win. In, be in your seat during halftime of the NRLW Grand Final, and you could have a chance to win a $1,000 Harvey Norman gift card, 10 participants from the precinct activation, uh, will I don't know if that makes sense. We'll have the opportunity to participate in the red light, yellow light activation. Oh, sorry, that's a different one. So, yeah, that's a chemist a warehouse, red light, yellow light activation. 10 participants from the precinct activation will have the opportunity to participate in this red light, yellow light activation for the chance to win their share of ten thousand dollars. Wow, oh my goodness, I think that's it. And look, it sounds like look, having been before, before I sort of indicate where you can watch this game. Having been at NRL Grand Finals live in the past several times, I can say that, look, there there is definitely an improvement nowadays in terms of the Grand Final match day experience compared to what it used yeah. to be. It used to be absolutely boring, apart from food trucks outside mm. and uh, radio stations set up, television sort of uh, channels set up, and really not much else. And now there's definitely been an increase in the number of kind of fan kind of activities, chances to win things, prizes, whatever. I think this happened several years ago, probably five to ten years ago, when they started doing these uh, grand final sort of um, uh, fan days in the city, like in yeah. uh, near the Opera House precinct. I think I went to one of those. There's one at Martin Place as well. And I think um, I think people realise at this point that. You know, this is what the fans want to see. They want to, they want to engage. They want to be involved. Definitely, if they're there to, to see the game, they're not just there to see the three games. They want to actually have fun. And you know, there's nothing like potentially winning a random game of something and then going home with thousand dollars. Like that, that is an awesome experience. And the more of these things are better because it means more people will go home happy, regardless of whether their team won or lost on the day. 
And yeah, Tish, before we wrap that one up, do you, uh, you know, do you agree that you know lately they've had a little bit better success with these kind of customer experiences? Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember, um, I, I think one year the NRL was, uh, yeah, Sydney Olympic Park also had. I want to say it was Comic Con or some sort of e-game event as well. So, um, you know, I li- literally met Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario on my way to the grand final. Um, but it feels like they have exclusivity uh, to itself because, um, yeah, I mean, look, sometimes the grand final experience is like, you know, it's a pain to get there and it's a pain to come back, right? But now you've got so many other things you could do and I think it makes it a bit more family-friendly, which is good um, because you really want to get young kids to be able to experience the grand final, not just you know, the rusted on fans out there. Um, so I think that that's going to be super exciting. So I think definitely in terms of all that, and I think obviously paying homage to Tina Turner as well, who's, you know, song simply the best. And the fact that she's also come out to perform at the grand finals in the past, I think it's a, a really nice way to sort of uh, make that happen. So it's, look, I've got to say, I was thinking, should I go to the grand final? Or should I try and go, you know, oh, I wasn't sure, but you know, I think you've convinced me over. I think all these different experiences, I want to go and try them all. Uh, so I, th- I think from that point of view, it's going to be great. I would say, though, on the website, it does say that it is a uh, a five-minute walk from the train station. Uh, I would doubt that very much, right? I don't think it's five <laughs> minutes from Sydney Olympic Park to the train station. It's not that far, but uh, I think five minutes is stretching it right to me. Uh, look, if if your entry to the stadium is at the the gate or the door closest to, but if you have to go around, that's another add another twenty minutes. <laughs> By the time you walk around the yeah. bloody stadium, it it takes ages. But yeah, technically, I think it is probably just a five minute walk. It's it's really the killer to walk around to the other side, realizing your your gate is on the other side. Yeah, that is when you kind of think, oh, here we go. So you don't know, bring a bring an extra bottle of water or something, which you'll probably yeah, have to get lots of anyway. <laughs> exactly, lots of walking. But uh, look, I'm going to finish off this one by saying that if you are watching it on TV, like the majority of people, millions around the world, are going to be watching this game on TV. If you're in Australia, you can catch the game on Channel Nine and Nine Now streaming, as well as uh, Sky New Zealand. If you're in New Zealand, radio coverage in Australia is available via ABC, Triple M Brisbane, Triple M Sydney, 2GB, 4BC, and NRL Nation. Internationally, there is TV coverage via BIS or BIS France, Fox Netherlands, ESPN Africa, Sportsnet Canada, Sport 24 in flight uh, on cruise ships, Sport One and Premier Sports Asia, wherever you are around the world. It's going to be an epic grand final day. Hopefully you get to enjoy it uh, with a beer, with family, with some nice food, whatever you want, whatever you do, that whatever floats your boat, it's going to be a good one. And uh, we're at almost the tail end now. We're going to go to tackle six, the tips. Here we go. Tish, last week, out of the five games that we tipped, you got four out of five correct, and I only got two out of five. That brings you to 134 in total, and I moved to 130. Not counting, or not not. Uh, let's let's not forget that, despite the fact we've got three games this week, 
We also have international season coming up and we're going to add that to the tally. So I've still got a chance to catch up, but um, yeah, I'm letting that, uh, you're, you're consolidating your lead, which I'm not happy about. Let's see how we go this week. We've got three games to tip. Penrith Panthers versus Brisbane Broncos, the main game. Um, well, actually, no, let's walk forwards. Let's go from state champs. So the first one is Souths and East Tigers. I'm tipping Souths. Are you sticking with your East Tigers tip? Yeah, I'm going to stick to the Tigers. All right, women's grand final, Knights v. Titans. I did say earlier that the Knights is probably where I'm leaning. And I, now that I've got to put my money where my mouth is, I'm tipping the Knights. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I'm going to go for the Titans for that one. Finally, Penrith v. Brisbane in the main game. Panthers for mine. They unfortunately will uh, will now become one of the, the rare teams in history that have won a three-peat, my Eels being the previous one. Penrith Panthers for mine. Yeah. I'm going to tip the uh, Penrith as well. I think it's an amazing effort that they've uh, they've been able to do, and I think it's a club that definitely deserves it. So, I suppose go the Panthers. All right, looking forward to it. And as I said, all of these games are going to be epic. It's going to be an epic grand final. Can't wait to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about obviously reviewing the grand finals. We're going to preview the internationals season coming up ahead. And we are going to talk about the Dally M's, which are going to happen this week as well. So by the time you guys hear this, the Dally M's will be over. But we will dissect and analyze the winners of the how Dally they got M. it wrong, how they all got it wrong, and how it should have been Clint <laughs> Gutherson. But anyway, let's <laughs> or, or whoever insert insert name of your favorite player there. But look, it's going to be an epic uh, epic week ahead. Hope you guys all get to enjoy it. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.